talk about the gospel a lot, but sometimes it can be hard to explain exactly what that means. In this series, we're talking about Alive in Five, which is a simple and easy to remember way to tell the story of Jesus with five symbols that represent five points in that story. We hope you enjoy this series from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus. Does anyone have any good friends? Do you have just the best friends? Can you put, you don't have to put up your hand, but if you, well, they're in the room, a lot of you, so that's cheating, but I have really amazing friends. I'll show you. I've like showed pictures of my friends. I've talked about my friends before. Here's a little picture, one of my favorite pictures in the world of me and some of my friends on my wedding day taking pictures. Um, and you can tell, well, I didn't really notice at the time before, but I looked at the picture this time and I can tell which of my friends are not touchers and which are. So you can see like my buddy Donnie here just like has me right by the hips. Uh, he has embraced my legs entirely. Mario's got his arms all the way around me. This is my friend Jonathan. He wants nothing to do with what's happening. <laughs> and Jeff is snuck in the back there. Um, and I guess Ben like wanted to hold my toes or something, but <laughs> that's awesome. And, uh, Oh, and you can see, this is my friend Fluff, and he's, like, trying to, to touch me. I bet that's his hand right there. What a pervert. All right. <laughs> I love these guys. I love these guys. Um, one of my friends who wasn't able to make it to my wedding one time, I had, like, another friend who, like, wasn't very good at planning. And so we were uh, in a band, actually, and we played at a Chick-fil-A. We played Christmas music at a Chick-fil-A. And so uh, they paid us in chicken. It was amazing. And so um, he had, like, secured us. His mom took us to the, to the restaurant. But we were done. I was like, all right, how do we get home? And he's like, well, I don't know. And like, I'm like uh, four years younger than this guy, so it is clearly his job to figure out a ride. And he just didn't. He was just like, I guess we'll hitchhike. I don't know. I'm like, dude, what are we supposed to do? So I called my great friend. He came and picked us up from Chick-fil-A and took us home. And I still talk about that because it was just 10 years ago, but it's such an amazing time uh, to show my, his friendship to me. These are the types of friends you need. Um, Sam and I were in a car accident a couple weeks ago, and a great friend, Dave, here, picked us up, saved us from the turnpike, and, so, and has been... Yes. Yes. Dave rescued us in our time of need, and has been guarding us around occasionally when we don't have a car. So uh, these, having really good friends is so, so, so important. Um, but also, you, have you ever been stabbed in the back before? <laughs> right? Some of you like thought you had a good friend, but it turned out to be a snake, right? You've, you've all experienced that. People are the worst. People are just the worst. Um, and it's especially bad when it's someone close to you right? That's just like especially like painful and wrong. Like these people are supposed to be on our side and we expect that of them. And then for them to betray us in some way, let us down, it's a big deal. So maybe a parent does something to hurt you or maybe a significant other breaks your trust. Like that is a huge problem. Or a close friend says something nasty about you behind your back. Like that's the kind of stuff we don't, we don't expect because we thought these people were on our side, but people just let us down. We get close to these people and they let us down. Sometimes it's by an accident, but sometimes they know full well what they're doing and clearly should not be doing that. Um, but it happens. People let us down. What's interesting, um, we believe that 
as Christians, as people who follow Christ, we can have a relationship, a friendship with God. And uh, I should say that some of the stuff that Sam spoke earlier about how, you know, our friends, people in our lives, humans let us down, but God never will. You should know she had no idea what I was preaching tonight. Um, and I also did not look over the lyrics of that song, and they're going to fit Mary beautifully tonight. Um, and I just wanted to say that so you know that, like, we serve a God who's real, you know, that like, I believe, I mean, I believe that that was supernatural, that that's like a thing that God laid a message on Sam's heart during worship, laid a message on my heart when I was preparing for this in, in the week, the past week or so. And, uh, and, and he planted those things separately so that we could tonight show that they were the same the whole time to show that he's in control and that we aren't. Um, so I just wanted to say that in case you were like, had some questions or doubts about if God was real, like I, that's a little thing I know, but I really believe because it happens like every week <laughs> here on Sunday mornings. It happens all the time. So just know um, that, that God really cares about what's happening in this room. So um, our friends let us down, but we have this relationship with God. We can communicate with God. He cares about us. He talks to us. He supports us and never lets us down. And that's the key difference between our friends, people, parents, family, like people, and our, our friendship, our relationship with God is that these people are going to fail us by accident sometimes, by choice sometimes, but God never lets us down in any way, not by accident, not by choice. God doesn't let his people down. He loves us. He doesn't, he doesn't let us down. And if you've ever been to church, you may have heard um, of the love of God, because it's like a thing the church people talk about, the love of God. And it sounds very, very nice, and it is. Um, we talk about how loving God is, and we understand God by reading stuff that people wrote, you know, like, in some cases, thousands of years ago, that were experiencing God, just like we are, um, but they were experiencing God in maybe a more uh, a heightened way, and they wrote their experiences down. And that's a lot of how we understand God comes from those things. So we talk a lot about God's love. So here's one of those writings from 2,000 years ago. Um, it's in uh, a man named John. So he said, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love. Here's another one from a thousand years before that. He was, this one was written by a godly king. Uh, but you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This was the ancient understanding of God. And this is how we see him today. This is how we understand our God today. We see him as loving. Um, but even more than loving, we, we saw, especially in that first verse there, that God is love. More than he's loving, he's lovely, yes, but God is love. So tonight we're talking about that idea, that God is love. You may have seen these five symbols, symbols here in the next slide. You may have seen these five symbols uh, around in, you know, in youth group. And um, I'm going to tell you about these five symbols here in the next few weeks. Um, we're using them to tell the story of the gospel. And we use that word gospel. That's just the story of what God has done for us. And uh, we use these five symbols to tell that story and to explain to people why any of this matters. And this model is called Alive in Five. You can see five symbols there. Alive in Five. Now, um, it lays out the story of the gospel where each symbol represents a point in that story and like a talking point. You may have seen other things like this. There's like an acronym where it's gospel and it's the G stands for something, the O and the S, the P, the E and the L. There's like colors where one represents sin and purity and you know, God's blood that, or Jesus's blood that covers our sin. There's like a billion different ways that this has gone down. This is one that I like a lot and I hope that you um, see its usefulness as well. So each symbol here represents a point in that story. 
And it also represents a phrase. So each one has a specific phrase um, assigned to it. So the first one is God is love. But the the uh, you don't necessarily need to know like the exact wording of all five of these things. You need to know the ideas that they represent. And when you do that, when you know these things, it's going to help you articulate the story of Jesus to people around you. Very, very important. So uh, this symbol, again, you don't have to memorize it, but the symbols will jog your memory to the right point. The idea here is to give you an easy-to-remember way to share the gospel with your friends, with anybody who asks you um, what being a Christian is about. Because like, I've been faced with those questions. Have you had those questions before? Like, uh, what is the gospel? What does it mean to be a Christian? Why do you go to church? Like, Why does your family do that? Or why do you do that on Wednesdays or on Sundays? Why do you believe in God? What do you believe about God? Those questions, if they haven't come at you, they will. Um, or you will be around someone that is wrestling with them. Um, they can be really, really difficult questions to, to answer. And so this uh, Alive in Five, these five symbols here, are going to be a way for you to begin to answer those questions. So we're talking about each of these five symbols over the next few weeks and what they mean to the story of Jesus and how we can tell the story of Jesus through these five symbols, all right? By the time we're done with this series, I think you're going to have a better understanding of Alive in Five, but more importantly, I hope you have a better understanding of the story of Jesus, and I hope you're able to articulate that story well, all right? So the first symbol is this heart, and the first phrase is God is love. I think if we're being honest, you know, we talked about how um, church people talk about how God is love. They talk about the love of God a lot. But I think if we're honest, um, it doesn't always feel that way, right? It doesn't always feel like like this God, this cosmic, like Superman, like, I don't know, he's old with a giant beard and a robe and a cane or something, right? Or like a scepter and a king. He's like mad on the throne. I don't know that this, like the picture of God that we have always represents love. If we're honest, I think we don't always quite feel that God is love. And when we look at ancient writings and people's understanding of God, um, it's hard to understand sometimes. We read things in the Bible, and, and it doesn't always make sense. And at times, it certainly, at surface level, does not look like a God of love. Right? Have you seen some of that stuff? I hope that you are, are, are tracking with me. Tonight, we're going to look at at how God has shown his love throughout history and, and throughout time, from the very beginning to sending his son for us, to what he does for us today. Um, so stay tuned. By the end, I think you're going to see that God is love, and you're going to have a little bit of a better understanding of this. All right, let's go to the very beginning. I'm going to keep it simple. They're not going to be huge texts today, but there will be some verses to kind of go along with each idea. Um, so we're going to start at the very beginning and uh, start all the way in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 27. It says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So the first way that God showed his love was that he, by creating us in his image. So there's going to be a list building here. The first one, creating us in his image. This is by far not a comprehensive, all of them are listed here, but it's going to kind of give you a, an idea. He created us in his image. To be in God's image, it means we, we have a soul. It means that we um, are, are, it's what separates us from the rest of the animals, right? Um, we have a soul. We have access to him. And we're not just different from like rats because we're more intelligent or a dominant species. We're different because humans have this like dimension of existing that other animals don't. We have this soul and it connects us to God in a way that other animals don't experience. So 
Um, he created us with this image, so with access to him. That was the idea. He gave us a soul so that we could exist with this other dimension of spiritual expression, so we can experience God because we have a soul. Does that make sense? I know I said a lot of words there. <laughs> All right, we have a soul. It means we can experience God. So God created us out of love for love. So he made us to be the object of his love, which means he loves us. So he created us in his image, and he loves us, his creation. And not only for him to love us so we could experience his love, but he created us with a soul so that we could love him back and experience true love on that end as well. And in order for us to experience love, he gave us this thing called free will. And um, that means that I have to choose to love him. It means that love is a choice. Love is not something that's just like wired into us. Like we, every, you know this, not every human being automatically loves God, right? We have to make a choice to love God, to follow God. Uh, free will means we weren't programmed to love him. Because if we were programmed to love him, think about it this way. If we were programmed, every human just did. You know, like the way that we like have skin, <laughs> like to the same degree, we love God. Like it's just in us. It's, it's the way we're made. If that were it, that's not actually love. Let me put it to you this way. Hey Siri, do you love me? Does Apple make iPhones? Does Apple make iPhones? Hey Siri, do you love me? You're looking for love in all the wrong places. Ouch. You're looking for love in all the wrong places, he says. All right. I know that the words on Siri are programmed in there, right? Siri is a robot <laughs> who does not actually have the ability to love. Even if he said yes, like I'm not going to believe it because there's just words that were programmed by a, a coder, right? That is not love. Pro you cannot program love into something. That's why God gave us free will. So we had to make the choice, yes, love or no love. Does that make sense? A little bit? Okay. I know this is a little bit complicated, but it's some deep ideas that I just kind of want to put out there. If it were programmed into us, it wouldn't be real love. So he gave us free will to choose to love him. That's how it works. So God understood free will. He understood that that's why he created us that way, with the understanding that uh, we had the choice to love him or reject him. And we're going to talk more about what it looks like to reject that love um, in the next few weeks or so. But in the meantime, you should know that even if we reject that love, he still loves us. He wants us to experience him loving us and us loving him back. That's, that's the full experience of love that he wants for us. Um, but if we choose to reject him, he is still loving us. He still chose to reveal himself to humanity. He still chooses to chase after us with love, even when we don't love him back. And, and God, in time, even though people rejected him, he chose to continue to reveal himself to humanity and put himself in the human experience, a human timeline, to show his love over and over again. All right, so he created us with the capability to experience love from him and to love him back because God is love. But that's not all, all right? Throughout time, he continued to show his love in bigger and bigger ways throughout history. So he spoke to a man named Abraham to, reveal, to bring people back to him, to bring his love back to people. He spoke to a man named Abraham. He used Israel to demonstrate his love to the ancient world. So there's two more to add to your list there. He spoke to Abraham, and he demonstrated, he showed his love through the people of Israel. Now, uh, this, this part here, the 
where he showed his love through the people of Israel. Um, the world at this time was filled with people trying to destroy Israel. Israel was God's chosen people. It was the people he was beginning to reveal himself to the world through. The rest of the world was just trying to kill them. <laughs> this is a problem for God's chosen people. So a lot of times when people see God like destroying nations in the Old Testament, we see him like put nations to the sword and, and constantly there's like these battles and wars and stuff. You need to understand, people will say like, I see that, I don't see a loving God when I read about that. And what you need to understand is that God was showing the ancient world his love through the people of Israel. And for some reason, just like we'll talk about later when Jesus came, when Israel was there existing and, and trying to show God's love, the rest of the world wanted it dead. The rest of the world was trying to destroy it. And he gave them plenty of chances. He gave the other nations plenty of chances to accept his love. But instead, they tried to kill his people. And so he defended his people. That's how it worked. He defended his people. And that's what ended up, that's how we ended up with this, this whole book full of these nations that are rising and falling because they are rejecting God. Not because God is vengeful and just wants to kill everyone that isn't his people, but because they are rising up trying to snuff out his people. All right, that's another kind of lofty idea that I just wanted to kind of put out there. All right, it's a demonstration of his love for his people that he's trying to reveal to the whole world. All right, and then we fast forward in time. And we get to a point in history where God's going to shake things up. He's going to change some things. Um, the world was finally in the right condition where he was going to make his love available, um, even more available to even more people. And he loved us so much that he came to earth in the form of a man named Jesus. He loved us so much that he came to be with us in order to make it easier for us to experience his love. That's why Jesus came, to connect us to him, to bring us closer to him, to make it easier for us to experience his love. And um, this is another time where he tried to express his love and the whole world rejected it. And even God's people were trying to kill Jesus. We're trying to kill God in the form of man. And they did at that point. Jesus died on the cross and he rose he came back to life. And this is another one we're going to talk about in a few weeks, so I don't want to get too far into it. But at this point, you should know, God came to earth to be with his people because he loved us. And um, you probably heard this verse before, whether you're a church person or not. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we know that Jesus died and defeated death. He rose from the dead three days later so that more people would believe in him and more people would experience his love. That's what all this has been about. All of human history, God is trying to show people his love. He's trying to show him that he is worth loving. And people just continue to mess it up. People continue to, to be threatened by this love and try to destroy this love. But over and over again, God's trying to reveal his love to the world. And the results of that spill over into today and the way we experience God's love today. So today we experience love, God's love in a ton of different ways. Uh, I think they fall into two different categories based on when we're experiencing them, all right? So you experience love of God in eternity after death, and you experience God's love on earth in abundant life before death, all right? So like we said in John 3.16, this is the eternal side. He shows us his love by giving us eternal life. Another thing about those souls that we talked about that he gave us where we could connect with him because that's what made us different than the animals. We have this soul dimension to us. Another thing about that is that we have um, these souls don't die, right? These souls don't just disappear when our physical body quits, 
right? Our souls are eternal. Our bodies, the physical stuff is all temporary, but our souls, that dimension in us that helps us connect to God is forever. It doesn't go away. Um, so during your life, lean into this idea. I want you to really catch this because this was something that I was, as I was studying, God kind of showed me and, and it was something I'd never thought about this way. So lean into this. During your life, you get to choose. We got this whole free will thing. You get to choose yes, God's love or no to God's love. You get to choose between a life with God, obedient to him, loving him, accepting his love. Or you get to choose a life without him, um, thinking you know better than what he said and rejecting his love. Those are the choices. Accepting his love, rejecting his love. And when your physical body dies, your soul goes to the extreme of that decision. So here on earth, we get like this trial period where we say, yes, I do accept God and I'm going to live an abundant life. Or no, I don't accept God and, and, and I promise you things will be unhappy when you do that. I promise you life is just better when you accept God. And what happens is what, which way you've, ex- you've made that decision. When you die, your soul continues with the extreme of that decision. Which means if you chose yes to accept God's love, you get the extreme of God's love. You get eternal life forever good. If you chose to reject God's love on earth, you get the extreme of that. You get eternal rejection of God's love, separation from God's love. And if God is love and God is peace and joy and hope, all of those things, the absence of all of those things is pretty painful, right? So this is the difference between eternal life and eternal death, or as you may have heard it called, heaven or hell. Your soul after death goes to the extreme of that decision you made on earth. Does that make sense? I think that's kind of a cool idea that I'd never quite thought about it that way. And your, your, your soul lives on to the extreme of the decision you made while you were on earth. So this is how God shows his love to us after death. We have the opportunity to choose to love him and spend eternity with that decision. But he doesn't wait for us to die for us to experience his love, the, the benefits of his love. So there's all kinds of love we can experience here on earth as well. John 10.10. 10. One of my favorite verses says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, other translations will say, um, so just other people looking at the same ancient text that was in Greek uh, and interpreting a slightly different way will say life to the fullest or abundant life. Um, and so you may have heard me talk about this before, this abundant life we have, because um, it's a great love that he, it's a great life he gives us when we say yes to his love. It's a great life that he gives us when we um, surrender to him because he came to give us full life, to give us life to the fullest, to give us abundant life. So he shows us his love by giving us a blessed life here on earth. He also shows his love by not leaving us to figure out this life thing on our own. And John 14, 26, um, just so you know, you've noticed a lot of references from the book of John. And the book of John is is a recap of Jesus's life And this guy really cared about the love of God. He was like really, really concerned with God, with Jesus's love and God's love. And so that's why a lot of this is coming from this particular guy when he told the story of Jesus, because he was personally um, really touched by the love of God. He was really impacted by the love of God. So when he wrote Jesus's story, love came up a lot. All right. John 14, 26. But the advocate, this is what Jesus said. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he loves us so much that he 
doesn't just let us try to figure out this life thing. He gives us uh, an instruction manual. He gives us the Bible that helps us understand what a blessed life looks like. And he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. That God is going to come and dwell in you and help you make the right decisions and help you receive the love of God, help you receive um, that blessed, abundant life, help you make the right choices live better. So he's also called the comforter, which I think is so beautiful. This is the Holy Spirit. This is God dwelling in us. So he's called the comforter, which means he cares about our pain. He shows his love by comforting us through our pain. So we experience God's love today through eternal life in heaven with him, abundant life here on earth, and through how he comforts and cares for us. So if you're looking for a list of, of why God is love. Show me in the Bible. Show me a list of how God is love. Uh, this is a nice start. Certainly not a comprehensive list. But what I like about this list is it's all through history. All through the history of humankind, we see God is love. We see him showing up, trying to express his love to the world, trying to, um, trying to show more and more people his love. It wasn't always received well. But he was constantly reaching out to his people saying, I love you. Love me back. Love me back. It'll be the best choice you ever made. I know this is a lot. Um, There's some really lofty ideas and some kind of some hard things to process. Um, And I've said love like 87 million times. But I think you should hear the word love in church a lot, right? Because... We, John said that God is love. So if we're in this room talking about God, we should bring up love. Love should be a big part of this conversation. And if it's not, if you, if you are talking about God and love hasn't crossed your mind, you might be a little confused about God. If you're talking about God and love has not crossed your mind, you might be a little confused about God. Love is important in this conversation because God is love. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for revealing yourself to humankind. Thank you so much for showing us that you are love and constantly chasing after us, constantly reaching out to your people um, and and expressing your love and trying to show us that the best course of action for us is to love you back. Thank you for um, choosing to love us even when we reject your love. Thank you for choosing to love us even though we continually make a wrong choice. We continually make a choice that says, I know better, God. You still love us through all of that, and I'm so thankful that you do. God, remind us that you are love. Help us to understand your love a little bit better and help us commit to loving you back. We love you. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus.